Hey friends, and welcome to Season 2 of Simple Syrup, a podcast by Junction Coffee filled with stories, thoughts, and musings with the intention of sweetening your day. It has been a few months since our last season, uh, and to be honest, we did not intend to have multiple seasons, but such is life, and there is 2020. We are so excited about this new season and all that we have to bring to you, but before we begin, as always, we're going to do a little bit of housekeeping. We originally set out to do a podcast release once every three to four weeks. Lo and behold, that's a lot. So we are pulling it back just a tad, and we are going to have this season be comprised of five episodes, each coming to you at the last Friday of the month. If you are new here, our podcast is comprised of fun facts, tidbits, conversations, stories, thoughts, experiences, all that are really fun and interesting to listen to, but can also reflect a deeper way of being and hopefully shift our perspective in a way that makes life a little bit sweeter for you and for everyone else. If this is your first time listening, I encourage you to go back and listen to season one. There are only three episodes because honestly, I got behind in my work and couldn't catch up until now. So enjoy those and listen to this one. Finally, I want to give a huge shout out to Workflow, a co-working space here in OKC that conveniently has a podcast room that they are allowing me to use because I don't have a space other than my living room with screaming children to do this and or the other works that are necessary for life. Thank you so much, Workflow, for creating a productive space at a time when productive spaces seem to be in short supply. Go check them out, workflowokc.com. It is a super cool space run by super awesome people. Today's episode is going to be comprised of two short stories that similarly have a little bit to do about the animal kingdom and a lot to do with knee-jerk reactions and maybe might offer a little bit of insight as to what in the world our brains do when confronted with things we don't know how to deal with. A couple weeks ago, I was sitting on my parents' back deck enjoying a nice, cool Colorado evening. My sisters and my sister's boyfriend and my wife Lori were all there with me. We were talking about something that I really can't recall at the moment, but all of a sudden, my sister's boyfriend made the claim that categorically cats freak out when you put a cucumber behind them. Seemed really strange to me at the moment and still kind of does, but we did our research We spent a lot of time Googling, watched a lot of videos, laughed really hard, maybe peed our pants a bit, and also felt a little bit bad for the cats. Apparently, a couple months back, there was a viral video craze whereby people just put cucumbers behind their cats as they were eating or taking a drink and watched them freak out. Um, Seems like a decent way to pass the time, especially if most of the world happened to be under some sort of pandemic-induced lockdown and didn't really have a whole lot of other things to do with their time. Now, if you happen to miss this viral video craze, it's really easy. Just type in cat versus cucumber in any search engine of your choice and watch the videos roll down the line. But to be fair, 100% of the cats will not freak out 100% of the time. Just happens to be that most cats have some sort of adverse reaction to there being a cucumber sneakily placed behind them whilst they are otherwise disposed. Now, there have been several theories about why these cats might be reacting the way they are to such an innocent object. The main one being that cats don't really like snakes. And what does a snake have to do with a cucumber? Not really a whole lot. 
other than maybe that slight curvature and perhaps greenish tint if cats can see color. I can see how it might resemble something of a serpentine nature. Maybe. Another theory, however, suggests that cats freak out simply because they're surprised. I mean, if you were sitting there minding your own business, eating dinner, and all of a sudden something that looks very strange and out of place was placed directly behind you and you turned around, you might freak out too. I wonder if we could start a new viral video craze where we just hung a cucumber from a string and put it really close to the back of people's heads and made them turn around. Yeah, that could be entertaining. The causational reality is that it's probably a combination of the snake, the surprise, and maybe a few other elements that would cause the cat to lose its cool when confronted with a cucumber. But the fact of the matter remains. More often than not, if a cucumber is placed behind a cat while it is engaged in another activity, it will induce a fear response that will cause the cat to leap in the air, scramble hysterically, or otherwise freak out. This weird phenomenon is an unstoppable, unconsolable, unreasonable biological response by the part of the cat's brain that instinctively tells it to flee with everything that it has from something that it views as potentially life-threatening or otherwise extremely dangerous. It's a reaction that the cat simply cannot control, and to its credit, really isn't its fault. Now I do have to add a little bit of a disclaimer. I am not a super huge cat person, however, it has been reported multiple times throughout the research that I have dug through that this can be potentially psychologically harmful or otherwise emotionally traumatic for the animal. So I must say here, please don't try this at home. The other story that I want to get into happened a couple months back. I was doing a little bit of yard work, weed eating a ferocious weed plant grass monster thing in the back corner of my yard. Oh, this is the part of the show where I do my own sound effects, just a heads up. So I'm there, weed eating, when all of a sudden I feel a searing, burning pain on my right forearm. And lo and behold, I look down, and there is a hornet who has firmly attached himself to my arm and is stinging me repeatedly. <laughs> take that. That's the um, hornet. Anyway, I shake my arm violently, take three steps back, and put my hands up in a boxing fashion and start charging towards the hornet with my fists. Like I'm going to punch it. And I can't be quite sure, but I may even have said, come at me, hornet, I'm going to fight you. Because that makes sense. And I didn't even really recognize how ridiculous this seemed until my wife started laughing and asked what I was actually going to do if I was able to punch the hornet. Because obviously it would just keep stinging me over and over again. And even if I did make contact, it would just sting my hand. So there's no winning there. But obviously this was super odd, and naturally, as I do with super odd things, I pondered it for a while and asked myself the question, why on earth did I react in such an illogical, ridiculous, clearly unproductive way to the searing pain on my arm? Well, 
As it would happen, as much as I'm not a huge fan of the feline species, we have something in common. In fact, uh, we have something in common as all animals do on this planet, and it is called the fight or flight response. If you can think back to high school or maybe middle school biology, the fight or flight response, otherwise known as the acute stress response, is a physiological response to things that basically scare us. When we are faced with what our brain interprets as an imminent threat, our body's sympathetic nervous system, you know, the thing that keeps your heart beating without you thinking about it. Yeah, I totally knew that. Like, why would you even have to explain it? I knew it already. Pours a crazy cocktail of hormones into your bloodstream that basically makes you superhuman should you have to either flee for your life or fight with everything that you have. Your pupils dilate to let in more light so that your eyes can see so much better. Your skin actually kind of starts to get pale or flushed because the body is redirecting most of the blood flow directly to your muscles and organs and brain so that they can function at optimal pace. Your heart rate increases and your breathing gets faster so that the oxygen can get to your muscles quicker and you might actually start to twitch or shake because their muscles are on the edge and tippy toes of their toes ready to leap into action at the first sign of trouble. All right, so you might not be a superhuman, but you'll definitely respond in the most close to super way you can. But here's the tricky thing about fight or flight. When it kicks in, we are reacting to a situation before all of the information about that situation is fully known. And this is the way it's supposed to be. Because if we are cavemen hanging out in a field, and we think that a saber-toothed cat might be charging us, if we took the time to decide as to whether or not it is in fact a saber-toothed cat and not a log, we would be dead. Our bodies spring into action before everything is known, just in case the thing that triggered fight or flight happens to be life-threatening and we need an extra jump on the situation. And that is why cats are jumping around mindlessly because of a cucumber, and why yours truly is trying to fistfight a hornet. Because we are reacting physically to a situation before our brains have thought through it clearly. And as I reflect on this concept of fight or flight, my mind wants to draw parallels to the world around us. Now, I'm not a biologist or a psychologist, so I don't know if fight or flight actually applies to things such as social media or elections or movements or pandemics. But it would seem to me that as I look around, there are a lot of people jumping and trying to run away from vegetables or trying to fistfight hornets, metaphorically speaking. And when I frame it like that, I begin to see people's actions and statements more as reactions out of fear. That somewhere in their mind, perhaps they have perceived the situation as an imminent threat. And that they are responding before having a chance to take in all of the information and think through it clearly. Now I know that it's easy to say that we should be self-aware enough to catch those things, and that some things that people do or say is inexcusable. But I'm living proof that sometimes when fight or flight kicks in, 
are not thinking clearly. And if I can understand that about myself, perhaps I can begin to see other people in a similar situation and begin to view them more as a co-human instead of an enemy, or at the very least, not belittle them to something that is less than human. And perhaps if we can begin to see ourselves collectively as a people that have a tendency to react out of fear, when we engage in those moments, we can stop accusing people of their actions and begin speaking to their fears. Because if we can confess that we get scared and do stupid stuff and can admit that we need voices of comfort in moments of fear, perhaps we can begin to use voices of comfort to other people's fears. And that as we begin to comfort one another, maybe the world will begin to be a little less scary. And maybe fewer and fewer people will be jumping away from cucumbers or trying to fight hornets. Because we'll be listening to one another saying, it's okay, I get scared too. And so friends, may cucumbers be cucumbers. May your fears be comforted, and may you never fistfight a hornet. And may your days be ever more sweet. Thanks for listening.